Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. We're going to start things off differently this Sunday morning. We normally would read a scripture text, but I'm going to get straight into the points for time's sake. We're going to give you the word of God today, but we want to just give you a proper introduction. You never want to read the Bible blindly. You want to be able to have an overview of what you're reading and put the Bible in proper context. Putting the Bible in its proper context is key to understanding it. Putting yourself in the Bible is key also to experiencing it. If you can place yourself in the shoes of Hezekiah, you'll get a lot from today. A lot from it. I want to show you the situation, really, that they were dealing with in Israel by showing you this map really quickly to help you know and understand. If you remember, before there was the two nations or the two kingdoms, King David had united the kingdoms that were the 12 tribes were scattered in. While King Saul was at reign, the first king, he was in the region of Judah. Is that, is that correct? He was in the region and reigning as king, but David came in and joined the two regions. David came in and began to bring reconciliation to the nation of Israel, combining and joining all the tribes together. After the death of David and King Solomon came in, the nations were divided again. So years later, after king after king, you see signs of good kings and wicked kings. Each kingdom of Israel and Jerusalem, of Judah, the top being the kingdom of Israel, the bottom being the kingdom of Judah. These were God's tribes. Each one had their own king. Each of them had different amounts of kings, and every one of them were different. Every one of them had faults and failures and shortcomings, but there were some that God raised up that shined and that were pleasing to God. Not without mistake, but they were obedient. David was known as the greatest king ever, but he had faults and failures, but he knew how to line up back with God. King Hezekiah was in Judah, in Jerusalem at the bottom. And while you look at this map, keep in mind that during his time, it was Assyria, the Assyrians, who surrounded them. That was really the power, the superpower of that day. And they were pagan worshipers, worshiping false gods. One of the attributes that you have to consider about Hezekiah during that time was... He was defiant against the Assyrian nation. He was so defiant that the king of Assyria wanted to take his life and his kingdom. So with that being said, I want to read you some of the attributes and some of the things on this list here about King Hezekiah that I think we need to recognize. King Hezekiah became king after, at the age of 25 years old. He reigned for 29 years in Jerusalem. One of the things about King Hezekiah that you don't know, may not know, is that he had a wicked father. 
King Ahaz. King Ahaz decided that he was going to worship false gods. He was so wicked and so evil that he took one of his sons. He took one of his sons and brought it before one of his idols, false gods. It was half man, half animal, with his arms out. He placed his son in the arms of the idol and underneath set fire and burned his son alive to offer his God a sacrifice where he would find prosperity, pleasure. Demon worship. It exists. I hate to tell you, those spirits never die. Spirits don't die. We see that coming in different forms in the world around us. We just give it legal names now. But this kind of mindset still exists. There are still people that worship demons. If you don't believe me, go back, watch the Grammys. I didn't watch it. I'm just saying, don't go back and watch it. That's not good. That's not a good idea. It's there. How many of you can agree? Our culture's going crazy right now, and they need Jesus. But before you raise your hand and recognize God's going to use you to give them Jesus. So that doesn't mean you go to the Grammys. What it means is you focus on your home. God's called us to this region. We've been established in this region. At Riverside, we are responsible for Victoria County. We don't think about this because we always think to ourselves and we begin to make a big declaration. We've been called to the world. We're going to save the world and save the nations when we can't even save our own house. How you live your life in your home is the most important thing you can do. Your priorities, your, your, your adorations, what's, what comes first? Who is your God? See, King Hezekiah had to face this kind of pressure because even Israel succumbed to the Assyrians. Where this all began, it began with conflict because they didn't comply. Let me go through this again. Number three, King Hezekiah was known for destroying the pagan shrines of his father and that his father had established. And you can find this and read it for yourself in 2 Kings 18 and 3. You can write that scripture reference down and look at it later. He restored the temple. He restored the temple, rebuilt it. Took out the idols. Established the priesthood again in worship once again to its original state. He went back. Found the chronicles. He looked at other kings that did right and he established it. He took it a step further. If you read the story about Hezekiah, read it in 2 Chronicles. Verse 29 is where you can find this. Write that down. Go home and look it up. Hezekiah not only built the temple, but he sent out for the priest and reestablished the priest. And then guess what? All those years, these people in Judah and Jerusalem... They were under his father. They hadn't heard about God. 
They hadn't heard about worship and what it was to honor the Lord. So guess what he did? He sent teachers out to teach the families in all the region about God and gave his word out, taught his commandments. And on the day of the dedication and celebration, he called in all the instrument players and they gathered in the courts and they all began to worship God. And the scripture says that God was pleased with this. Hezekiah honored God. Keep in mind, he did this in the middle of of, of a nation and other cities, even in his own area, that were doctrinally out of place. They believed in other gods. And not only that, being overlooked by Assyria, who demanded tribute, money, taxes that they give him, they were pressured, but he did the right thing. What you do for God isn't always going to be popular, and it doesn't matter. When you get to a place where you are dead to people, their opinions, not completely dead where you don't care, but you have died a death on the inside. The side of you that says, I, I, if I do that, I'm going to lose friends. If you lose those friends, can I just tell you, by following God, they, just, they weren't your friends. They weren't your friends. When you choose to surround yourself with the right people, no matter how weird they may be. <laughs> i got to be honest with you, church. I mean, just be honest with you. Sometimes church people can be weird. Stop being weird. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Believe God for miracles, signs, and wonders. But stop Bible thumping everybody. <laughs> Got to stop preaching. Start living the word. Be the word. Be the change. Let God's light shine through you. Give acts of kindness. Let the love of God flow. Let the anointing come. And when your time comes and opportunities present themselves and the doors open, then it's your time to preach. It's not always going to be popular, but you see the biggest challenge we have right now in our culture is being different being different like king david number five he inquired of the lord you can find this in second kings 18 and 3 he went to god now and asked advice he didn't have the mentality of okay i'm gonna ask for forgiveness rather than permission a lot of people be are sneaky and manipulative that way where they do something and say i'll just ask for forgiveness what's the worst that can happen and they never get permission that's a spirit of rebellion That's manipulation. When you begin to do things for God, remember you're doing things for God. You live life by permission. Then you you become a servant to God. Hezekiah was known not just as a king, but God called him his servant. He lived life by permission. And any time he got out of it, like we all can step out of it, all of us are guilty of stepping out of line sometimes. It's, you're, you're human. You're going to make mistakes. But if you're a son of God, a child of God, whom the Lord loves, he corrects, be tender to his correction and guidance and direction for your life. It's, it's not to, to destroy you. It's there to protect you. 
like Pastor Caleb talked about on Wednesday, boundaries are healthy. Boundaries are good. There's so much to this. And when, when he began to, to live for God and follow God, he thought about the people. He built a wall in number six that was 21 by 25 feet around the walls of Jerusalem for the safety of the people. But one of the most notable miracles that God performed through Hezekiah's relationship with God was, and notice I said he did a miracle through his relationship with God. It wasn't a miracle that Hezekiah performed. It was a miracle and a wonder that God did because of his relationship with him. History tells us that the time came that the, the Assyrian army surrounded Jerusalem, and there was 185,000 soldiers, folks, 185,000. Think about that. That's more than the people that live in the county of Victoria. 185,000. And one night, God took them out. One night. They were going to destroy Jerusalem but there was a king and a prophet who sought God, and God said, I'll, I got this. I'll take care of it. And lastly, Hezekiah was also known for God adding 15 years to his life. He was on his deathbed. He was on his deathbed. And hear this. Watch this. This is, this is probably one of the most powerful things in, about Hezekiah. Hezekiah was fixing to die. Even Isaiah, the prophet. So Isaiah was the prophet in his day. And did you also know that Hezekiah was married to Isaiah's daughter? That helps. Doesn't it, son? He walked into the room where he was sick. The prophet said, you're fixing to die. Set your house in order. The king was sad. And as Isaiah was walking out, gave the word, Hezekiah, the king cried out to God and he said, Lord, remember all the good deeds that I've done and how I've been faithful and how I've served you. And while he was praying, Isaiah walks back around as he was leaving the palace. He walks back and he said, thus saith the Lord, he's given you 15 more years. God will hear your prayer. It's all about the approach to the king. You see, this is what's amazing to me. Hezekiah was humble. He sought God. He wasn't like his father. And as Dr. Al said on Wednesday, on one of the, on Wednesday night, our deeper services was, iniquity will visit you, but you don't have to give in. Iniquity will visit you that may have visited your father and their iniquity, but you don't have to give in. Who your parents were, grandparents were, would no matter if they did bad or did wrong, it doesn't matter when it comes to visit you, you can shun it and you can choose to worship God and be who you were called to be in your life. God looks at you. He's not going to carry over the failures and the sins of your father or your mother or your grandfather, your grandmother. I'm speaking from experience. I'm the son of a nightclub owner. My father built the biggest convention center in this town before anything else was here. I shouldn't be here. My family was responsible for holding concerts and events. Thousands and thousands of people in Victoria came to our events by the park. My family owned a place called Riverside Convention Center, if you don't know what I'm talking about. And I tell, I'll tell you right now, I wasn't, I'm not supposed to be here. 
I am not supposed to be here. My family was responsible for breaking up marriages. I've seen it. Fights, arguments. I've seen deaths for the sake of entertainment. But now listen to this. Here I am, by the grace of God, preaching to some of you that actually used to go to our place of entertainment. Now you're living for God. Now we're worshiping God. We're still dancing. We just changed partners. You don't have to live the life of your family or anybody else. Hezekiah made that decision. He made that decision. He knew that he was going to be his own man, the king that God wanted him to be, and everything began to transpire. But here's the real story. When everybody else was paying tribute to the Assyrian army, King Hezekiah led the way and chose not to pay them. They were like mobsters coming around the bakery and saying, where's our, where's our percentage for your protection? You've seen the movies. King Hezekiah said, no, I'm not doing it. Then that caught on. Everybody else started doing it. And guess what happened? The king of Assyria came in and destroyed even Israel, took him into captivity. The little towns around Jerusalem as well. And they besieged Jerusalem. And King Hezekiah got scared and said, I made a mistake. I made a, a mistake, King Sennacherib. I'm sorry. I'll pay you the money. And he didn't even have enough money for what they wanted. He took all the treasure that was in the temple and it didn't have enough gold, you know what he had to do? He had to take the doors that were overlaid with gold and give it to them. Took everything he had, and guess what? It wasn't enough. He still wanted his life. He still wanted his life. So here they are. They're on the outsides of the walls, the great walls that were built. The captain of the armies was sent to Jerusalem to taunt those on the walls looking down. And they were saying to them, don't believe Hezekiah. His God is not going to save you. Your God isn't going to come through. They're trying to make Hezekiah look foolish. They're provoking them and telling them in their own language in Aramaic, 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 in Aramaic, your, your God isn't going to come. Your God's not going to come through. Your king is lying. We're going to destroy you like we destroyed your, your, your relatives and Israel and all the other nations around you. Look, we took them all. Now we're fixing to take you. They were scared. They were terrified. And letters from the king of Assyria were sent to Hezekiah telling him, we're going to destroy you. You want to know what Hezekiah did? This is what Hezekiah did. He did what he always had done. He took those letters. He took those letters. And he placed them in front of the altar in the temple. And he started to pray. And he started to seek God. And guess what happened? Isaiah joined him. 
Both of them ripped their garments. Both of them covered in sackcloth, uh, sackcloth and ashes. And they came and they began to seek God. And all of a sudden they had a prayer meeting. They didn't get their armies together. They didn't try to come up with tactics. They didn't surrender. Can I encourage someone here today, if you feel surrounded, don't surrender. If you feel surrounded, don't surrender. I'm going to say something pretty harsh, but I'm going to say it anyways. Fight to the death. You're going to heaven anyways. That's mafioso in itself, isn't it? Sheeple. To live is to die, is what Paul said. What are you scared of? The devil can't do nothing to you. Hezekiah went to the Lord. Hezekiah went to God. He'd done what he'd always had done out of routine. Point number one, Hezekiah's consistency with God destroyed the army. He didn't have to raise one sword. The only sword that was raised was the sword of the Lord. The scripture says that in that prayer meeting, you, you know, you know, how many of you know prayer still works? How many of you understand God has an ear to hear? He's not deaf. How many of you know the arm of the Lord is still strong and can reach out and do something about your circumstances? How many of you believe that God is, is alive? He's not dead. God is alive. How many of you believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is in existence in your life? The word of God is true and the king still lives. Your perspective in prayer is everything. You have to know I am a representative of the kingdom of God. The kingdom has not been done away with. See, for some of you that are here for the first time, go back and listen to our podcast. Download our app. Gather together the information, and you're going to find out not only are you a king, you're a royal priesthood. And your worship matters. And what happens in your temple, because now you're the temple of the Holy Ghost, right? And how you worship in this temple will be based on, and the success of it will be based on your submission to the king. And you can't have idols in the temple. You've got to get rid of them. You've got to allow God to be God and God alone, him Lord and Lord of all. But when you start looking at different kings that had success in their life, it was based on their walk with God. Hezekiah knew he was king by title, but he knew that God was king by right. He knew where to go, where his help come, came from. He had read the scriptures and understood the history of David, and he learned how David inquired of the Lord. So instead of going and throwing a fit and panicking, he went to the presence of God. And the prophet joined him, and the prophet was there. And the word from the Lord came up. And when the word from the Lord came up, God sent his word and sent judgment. And one night, in one night, God destroyed Again, 185,000. Why does that matter? Because you're dealing with one devil and crying all night. 
We deal with the few of them and think, oh, my God, they're going to take my... Hold on a second. Your God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, according to all that you can ask or think, according to the power that works inside of you. If God can take care of legions, if God can take care of 185,000, God can deal with that little measly devil that keeps whispering in your ears, making you feel like he's bigger than your God. He is not bigger with your God. If a mouse had a microphone, he would seem like a giant. But your God can thunder from heaven, and your prayers God will respond, and there's going to be something that comes into your life from your praise, from your worship, from your surrender. Everything in your life is dependent on your worship. Oh, it's just too loud. There's earplugs over there if you need them. Your response from heaven will be determined by how many idols you've got, or if you're the real deal, or if you're really submitted to the king of kings. Pure worship and surrender is everything. But let me give you the secret. It's consistency. Let's reference Daniel just for a moment. You want to know what, where the enemy tried to hit Daniel? They didn't hit his finances. They didn't hit his finances. They didn't hit his friends around him, his circle of friends. You want to know what the enemy went after in Daniel's life? They went after his prayer life. They counseled together. They figured out his secret. His secret was prayer. And they said, Daniel, he left the window open. They saw him. They said he kneels down before his God in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the evening. That's his secret. You want to know what the devil's, he's always after the root of your strength. He's after your devotion. You want to know what Samson's weakness was? His devotion and consecration as a Nazarite. Delilah found out it's in his hair. That's his covenant with God. Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat, but I prayed that your faith, your faith, come on, say with me, nothing, say nothing. Say, no devil, my emotions, my carnality isn't going to affect my faith. Say, Lord Jesus, give me more faith. Give me more faith. But Jesus said to Peter, but I prayed that your faith fell not. Did you know that's the strength of prayer? When you're praying in the Spirit and you're praying in the Holy Ghost, this is why Jews said pray in your most purest and holiest faith, pray in the Holy Ghost. When you are praying in the Spirit, God is building your faith. Your mind is changing and you're looking at the Assyrians around you and you're going, there's nothing too hard for my God. You may have 185,000, but my God has Many more. Somebody say, my God is great. Somebody say, King Jesus, have your way. I'm trying to contain myself. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to us. Yeah, you stepped into one of those churches. Second Chronicles 32, 20 says this. Then the Lord, then the king Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, cried out and prayed to the God of heaven. And the Lord sent an angel, an angel, one angel, one angel. 
Can you imagine the devils that day were going, oh, he just sent one. Another one goes, no, no, that's just not just one. I, I've, I've dealt with that one before. He took us out when we were, in, in the, we were with the Philistines. Uh, that's the same angel. Got, gentlemen, get ready. Go, retreat. One angel. That's all it takes for God. One angel with one God requires one believer. And the Lord sent an angel who destroyed the Assyrian army with all its commanders and officers. Notice this. He didn't just come for those who were lower in rank. He went for the high-ranking ones. When the Lord deals with your enemies, he takes them out by rank. He takes them out from the top to the bottom. There are rankings in the spirit, in the spirit world. Your prayer life will help you outrank those that are against you. Y'all need to take notes. I'm telling you, there's some good stuff coming out. Daniel was underneath a Babylonian pagan king, but he outranked him in the spirit. Joseph was underneath Pharaoh, but he outranked him in the spirit. The highest they can go physically was second in command. But spiritually, they ran things. You cannot rank anybody because you're seated with Jesus in heavenly places. I don't know how to stand. I don't know how to walk. Do you know how to sit? Do you know how to sit? Can you become a child of God and sit in the king's lap? Scripture says you are seated with him in heavenly places. Some of us try to fight so hard, we try to work harder and not smarter. When God called us to rest in him, sit in him, there's a time to war and a time to fight, and there's a time to stand. But until you get there, sit. Sit with him. Wait on him. Serve him. They went to God, Isaiah and King Hezekiah, and they waited on the Lord. And listen to this. So... Also, the Lord sent it to destroy the armies and all his commanders. So Sennacherib was forced, that's the king of Assyria, was forced to return home in disgrace to his own land. And when he entered the temple of his lowercase God, some of his own sons killed him there with the sword. His own sons and false worship. Please don't tell me that the devil will give you something better than God can because at the end of the day, he's still after your soul and wants to kill, still, and destroy you. But your God is so good that he let all the judgment fall upon him, and he who knew no sin became sin for you and I. And so when the mercy of God comes into your life, it's because the wrath of God came upon Jesus for you, Jesus for you. So when God blesses you, there are no strings attached to it. You get life and life more abundantly. This is how the Lord rescued Hezekiah, the people of Jerusalem from King Sennacherib of Assyria. This is how he delivered them. Two men went to prayer. 
you know, in the, you know, the scripture talks about a man, an old man, how he saved a city in the scripture. There are so many people, I think, unsung heroes that have been in the gap of prayer that have saved families, that have, you know, I, I, I can almost guarantee you the reason why you are here is because somebody prayed for you in your family. Or a friend prayed for you. Someone has stepped in and interceded on your behalf. I have prayed for people, my wife and I, when we go out in public, God would deal with us and highlight somebody, and we know it in our spirit. He'll tell us to pray for them. I'll never forget one time. i got to just give you this. I've shared it before, but, but, but there was one time I went to Walmart. And while I was at Walmart, I'm sitting in the car. And while I'm sitting there, a young man walks right in front of the car, and he highlights him. The Lord highlights him and says, pray for that young man. And I said, okay, Lord. I start praying for him. Lord Jesus, whatever he's going through, uh, save him, direct, uh, deliver him. Uh, help him, blah, blah, blah. I didn't know how to pray. I just knew I was supposed to pray. That was that afternoon, early afternoon. The day goes on. I get home. I find out that my kids had some kind of gathering at the house. I'm like, thanks for telling me. So I walk, that's the life of a pastor, right? So I, I, I just praise the Lord. Everybody's going to make yourself at home. <laughs> I'm going through. I'm saying hello to everybody. Uh, I'm tired. Got a smile on my face. It's how you know I'm faking a smile. I, uh, this is my fake smile. <laughs> saying hello to everybody. And I come across a guy, and I'm looking this guy face to face, and it's the young man that I prayed for in the parking lot. And I said, hey, man. I said, how you doing? I didn't tell him I saw you today. I didn't tell him I prayed for you today. I said, who are you? He says, oh, I'm so-and-so. I just ran into somebody here, and they told me they were gathering tonight. I just moved here. I've been looking for a church, and, and I, I just decided to come tonight. And I'm thinking in my mind, you didn't just decide. We prayed for you today, dummy. You're here because somebody's prayed for you or you prayed a prayer one time in your life, and God has never forgotten that. I'm telling you, God answers prayer. When they went, this is how Drew, the Lord rescued Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem. And so there was peace throughout the land. Watch this, verse 23. And from then on, King Hezekiah became highly respected among all the surrounding nations. I hope so. I hope so. Listen, there is no one here in this building that was more wealthier than Solomon, King David, King Hezekiah, any of these kings. Who are we? Who are we to think that we got this? You don't have nothing. We all need God. We all need to make Jesus the real king. When you compromise and conform to the culture and your surroundings, you are worshiping a God that's influencing that culture. And until you stop and put parameters and boundaries on it, they're going to influence you, take you away from your king, and they're going to cause you to be overran. You may be fine. You may be okay, but he still wants you to be sieged. You know what they were doing to the land of Jerusalem? They surrounded them, and they were trying to starve them out. They put them in a prison in their own home. They made a prison out of their own town by surrounding them. It didn't matter what they did behind those walls as long as they didn't try to come outside those walls. 
You know what was happening simultaneously? Where do you think their food was? Their fields were outside the walls of Jerusalem. And the word of the Lord, when it came to Isaiah and it came to Hezekiah, the Lord said, don't worry. This time next year, you're going to have a harvest. I'm going to bring forth an abundance of a harvest for you and prosper you, and you won't have to deal with it and rebuild it. In other words, God was telling you, don't worry, I'm going to take care of the army because right where they're at, you're still going to get a harvest. They starved them out. They starved them out. Did you know that it's hell's desire for you to be starved spiritually? Doesn't matter what you do as long as you're spiritually weak. He doesn't care if you prosper in any way or become successful in any way. He doesn't care as long as you don't pray. As long as you don't pray, you have no authority and you're still in prison. People are in prisons because they have allowed themselves to be sieged. As long as you don't provoke them or do anything, you'll be okay. You'll just dry up spiritually and die spiritually. That's not God's will. It's God's will for you to prosper in every single way, have spiritual dominion, and not allow a devil to put a boundary on you and say, you can't do that, you can't produce this, you can't be successful in this area of your life with your family, with your generations to come. God wants you to be blessed all around. And until we recognize that, then we won't feel uncomfortable about being in prison. I'm not in prison. Are you sure about that? You want to know why people like going to prison to those that are addicted to going back to that? First of all, no bills. They get fed. They get to sleep all day long. Why leave it? That's why some get out and they go back. I'm just telling the facts. I'm just telling the truth. I've heard it before. They're accustomed to the lifestyle. But if God ever opens up the door and says, okay, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to open up those doors, but you're going to have to be consistent with me. It's like people say, ah, that's just too much work. Why work for something I'm getting for free? But your relationships aren't there. You see, there's people that are in prisons that are, mir- that, that are miserable. The most miserable people in the world are Christians who don't pray. These people were God's people in Jerusalem. The devil was trying to starve them out, kill them. But until somebody prayed, God began to move. Here's what I want to share with you, and I'll move on to the second and last point. Here's the point. It doesn't take a revival in your home. It takes a reviving of your soul. It just takes a reviving of your faith. It takes one person in your life to determine, I am going to pursue after God and get everything God has for me. And it will begin to affect everyone around you. It takes one person to say, it's okay. You can do what you want, but I'm going to worship God, and I'm going to put God first. So never say to yourself, I can't worship God and give God everything because of somebody else, even in your own house. It takes one person in that home to have a breakthrough so everyone else can be set free. It took Hezekiah and Isaiah to pray to the Lord to set all of Jerusalem free. It just takes one. It just takes one. It just takes one. If one can put a thousand to flight, 
two can put 10,000 to flight and more. Somebody say, just one angel. That's all I need, God. Just one angel. Just one angel, God. The second thing is this. Honoring God is the success of a king. Honoring God is the success of the king. I want to show you how God describes Hezekiah. It's so important, and I think we overlook it. Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 32 and 16 says this. Furthermore, his servant spoke against the Lord God. This is speaking of the king of Assyria. His representatives under him, the captains of the armies. The Bible calls them the servants to the king of Assyria. His servants were sent to him. He describes the king of Assyria to the, as a king at this moment. Then he said, he spoke against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. He calls Hezekiah his servant. You want to know why I believe the scripture calls Hezekiah God's servant? Because Hezekiah knew that God was the true king. When you recognize titles don't mean nothing. Honor means everything. I don't care what you call me. I know I'm called to serve God and be a servant. I don't care less about titles. I don't care. I hope you feel the same way because titles mean nothing. But influence and authority with the king and having an audience with him means everything. And when you learn how to approach the king as a servant, I mean, have respect, folks, for the king of kings. You don't just want, I, I mean, I get it. I get it. He's your friend, and, you know, he's my buddy. He's my brother. I kind of cringe at that in a way because the truth is, is that he is the king of kings who gave his life for me. And when I look at the temple, the temple was an outline for approach to the holy place. And then that temple, there was the gates that he, David instructed, enter his gates with thanksgiving. What happened at the gates? It's where sacrifices were made and the blood was shed for the remission of sins. So I Walk in with gratitude personally, and I say, Lord, thank you for forgiving me, and thank you, Lord, for washing me. Thank you for forgiving me and pardoning me. Thank you for mercy. And as I walk through in my mind in prayer, I pass through the brazen altar, and I just don't ever want to ever forget that the body and the blood was offered for me as a sacrifice. So I praise you for that, God, what the body has done. Your body, God, I mean, if you remember what we've taught here the ultimate sacrifice and sacrifice was the Lamb of God. And all of these were there to teach us how to approach God. And this is what Hezekiah remembered. It took the process of approaching God with humility. And in the courts, and this is why David said, enter his courts with praise. And he praised God. I'm trying to show you how to approach your king and get results. How many of you have ever gone straight to the throne of God and he reminds you of something you need to repent of? Am I the only one? You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever gone straight to God and all of a sudden he said, hey, you need to forgive so-and-so or get this out of your heart, get this sin out of your head, you got to deal with this. You want to know what the Lord is doing? You get to the holy place and God's like, wait a minute, you need to go back to the gates. Back to the the altar of sacrifice and 
Now you need to get rid of that stuff. Then I'm going to wash you from it in the spirit, and I'm going to wash you in the, la- in the laver. Not only does he forgive you, he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Now, the Lord, the Bible says that blessed are those who dwell in the courts of praise, and blessed are the man who's the Lord, who the Lord chooses to approach him. You have to stay in that moment, and the Lord will call you in, and the Spirit of God will call you, and you begin to intercede. And this is where the, the, the high priest inter- interacts with the priest. I'm saying all that to say honoring God is the success of the king. Every successful king just didn't walk in and say, hey, Lord, what's up? They walked in with reverence, humility, the fear of the Lord, and they honored him, and they worshiped him, and what they put in is what they got out. And the day you and I will allow the fear of God to grab a hold of our soul, the wisdom of God to direct us and to help us make the right decisions, an open heart, and we get to a place where we say, Lord, let the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be acceptable to you, O God. Lord, you satisfy my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Lord, I will wait upon you. Yes, I have heard and I have known that that the everlasting Father, the creator of the ends of the earth, faithed not, neither groweth weary, for there is no searching of his understanding, for he gives power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall grow weary and grow tired, but they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Do I have any waiters in the house this morning you want to know I'm all over the place but bear with me you want to know what made the difference between Martha and Mary Martha thought she knew what Jesus wanted Mary waited on him they that wait upon the Lord Hezekiah Isaiah waited on the Lord who am I talking to This is a different sermon. This is a different teaching than the first service. There's somebody here today that needs to hear this. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you need to hear this right now. But don't rush it. Slow down. What's your hurry? Come on. God's not a hot pocket. What's your hurry? Slow down. God's got something better for you. Take your time. Here's a word for somebody else. It's not one, it's many. If you'll slow down and make Jesus your king, he'll bring you a prince. That's what, you're welcome. You want a knight in shiny armor? Worship the king and make him number one. He'll bring you one. Make God first. Honoring God is the success success of anybody. So I want you to notice God calls Hezekiah his servant, even though he was the king. When you're a servant to the king, then whoever wages war against you is waging war against God. They are actually fighting the one you serve. Notice the king of Assyria sent insults to God 
and his servant Hezekiah. They're not just picking on you. Greater is he that's inside of you. One angel. I'm just telling you, one angel. I, I got to close. Come on. Come up here. Why are we calling Hezekiah the wonderful king? Because God did wonders in his life. A life that's wonderful is a life filled with wonders. God did many wonders for Hezekiah, but that one act, it left them. It was wonderful. In other words, it left you in awe. You couldn't completely understand how it was done. It was just done, unheard of, beyond our reach, beyond our capability. That's what made God's wonderful. It's the miracles. It's the move. It's when God does only what God can do. That makes him wonderful. Isaiah even was told, he was told by God and by inspiration when they asked him about who's going to take Israel next. And he said and prophesied in the book of Isaiah that there's coming a day when God is going to send his own king. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And to his kingdom there will be no end and the government shall be upon his shoulders. He's going to carry the government of God, and he's going to rule in this world. But there's going to be a people that are going to be established and called the trees of righteousness. I've said a lot of good things about Hezekiah, but let me end it on a sad note. Everybody go, aww. Here's the downfall to Hezekiah, and it wasn't too bad, but, and he didn't see it within his life, but it happened. I want to begin by telling you, stay humble no matter how blessed you are. Stay humble. When you die, you're not taking anything with you. Let me tell you what your investments are going to be eternally is the people you invested in. If you invested eternal life and hope and teachings of eternal life into that person, guess what? You're going to heaven with them. It's a lifestyle of worship and surrender of making God the Lord. Hezekiah was sandwiched in between two evil kings, his father and his son. You're going to learn about that next week, and it's horrible what Manasseh did. But Hezekiah stayed true. But here's his fault, his downfall. So Hezekiah is blessed now. He has peace all around him. Everyone hears about him. And then one day, Babylonians come work, walk, uh, knocking on his door, as it were, and they came in. And they said, who are you? He said, oh, we're from Babylon. And Hezekiah began to show off everything. He walked him through the temple, showed him his house. He was bragging. He was bragging about all the things that had, he had accomplished and things that God had given him. And when they left, he thought to himself, I'm a great guy. I'm a pretty cool guy, man. Hezekiah was Mexican, by the way. I'm a good guy. Isaiah came around, his father-in-law, and he said, who was that? He said, that, oh, that was the Babylon. He said, what'd you show him? He said, I showed him everything. All proud. I showed him everything. He said, you big dummy. Hear the word of the Lord, he said. This is scary. The Babylonians are going to come and they're going to take everything that you showed them. 
and they're going to lead your people into captivity and your sons and your daughters will be taken. You got to stay humble. You got to stay humble. Don't brag about things that you've got that God has given you. Stay humble. You may not have started strong, but you can end strong. And by the end of your life, and, and even now, you can just begin by having an attitude of every good and perfect gift does come from the Lord. And so, Lord, I thank you. But I'm not going to let pride or arrogance enter into my life to take the hand of God on me. I'm going to stay humble, and I'm going to hide myself in God. And I'm going to stay in his presence, and I'm going to remain his servant. And I don't need a title, Lord. I just want to serve. I just want to serve. I might be a king, but I just want to serve. I just want to have a right heart. I worship you. I don't care about the idols. You see, what happened was he spent his whole life, thank you, Lord, he spent his whole life getting rid of idols until his own blessings became one. His own blessings became an idol to him, and he showed it off, and that was a type of worship by bragging on it. Don't let your blessings become idols. Somehow, someway, if failure doesn't get you, success will. If the, if the devil can't get you with failure, he'll get you with success and cause you to brag and be dependent. If Hezekiah had a right spirit, and this is just me speaking of my opinion, this is my opinion, when the Babylonians came, what he should have done was say, hey, let me tell you the mighty things that God has done for me. What's that over there? Oh, that's nothing. I want to tell you about God. Here's what the Lord has done. He delivered us from the hands of the Assyrians. He's number one in our life. He's, and if whatever you see with your eye, it's because of the Lord. But the hand of God is on us. And, and you know what? There is a God in Judah and Jerusalem. And we serve that God. When God brings people your way, they're meant to be influenced by you, not you influenced by them. This is the one thing that God told every king, don't worship the gods of the heathens. Don't worship their gods. Remember, you have a God. His name is Jesus, and he is the king of kings. He's the most royal figure in the heavens. He is the highest potentate that there is in this world and the world to come. King Jesus is his name, and we need to honor and worship him. I want to leave you with this. It's the wonders of God that makes our lives wonderful. Can anybody confer, can anybody confer with me here this Sunday morning? Will you stand to your feet and just give the king honor? Just stand to your feet and just begin to worship. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit Riverside Church. TX.com